Hey, do you guys like our show? You do? Awesome. Well, do us a favor then. Follow us on Twitter at Bros Let's Talk. Do it! Like us on Facebook at Bros Let's Talk. Just do it! And subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review with the challenge that you want to see us do on our monthly video segment, Challenge Accepted. Come on, do it. Lay it out right here, do it. Do it, son. Where'd you find this? Now tuning into Bros. Let's Talk. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Bros. Let's Talk, the podcast where guys come to be dudes. I'm Pat here with Jimmy and Andy. We got a shit ton of stuff packed into today's episodes. Episode new segments including bold strategy. Riled Up, I've Made a Huge Mistake, NBA Edition, and Mock Draft, where we'll do a three-man, five-round draft with today's topic being fast food places. We're going to jump right into it. Time to shoot the ship, boys. So, we debuted our monthly video segment on 4th of July, Challenge Accepted, and our first challenge was a mini hot dog eating contest. For America, obviously. Uh, if you guys haven't had a chance to check out the video yet, go to Bros Let's Talk on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube to see the video. It's just a shade under seven minutes long, but we had a lot of fun doing it, and we think you'll like it. So basically, what happened was we each had eight hot dogs and buns, three minutes to eat as many as we could. Then we had to shotgun a beer. On top of that, Jimmy was an asshole and iced me and Andy before the competition so we we got off to a rough start we still both beat him though so jim that's kind of embarrassing on your part for bringing the ice and then my uh no dice on that my competitive advantage did not work out the way i thought it would so you know that'll happen so i mean i'm not gonna lie i know in the video i i said i was going for all eight hot dogs i was just trying to be a hardo but realistically i was really hoping for four to five because that would be like a little bit more than a a hot dog per minute and i thought that would be that would be a solid pace to set but i barely made it through three and i threw up in my mouth twice i think and it was still good enough for w so i think that shows how hard how much harder it really was um how terrible of an experience was it for you guys i personally completely overestimated the entire competition um, I was the people that I talked to about it. I, I still stand by the fact that if we were eating just hot dogs, I think I could have done like 30 in three minutes. The minute that I switched over to the bun was, I knew it was the biggest mistake we had ever made was doing this competition. And I made the horrible mistake of trying to dip the bun in the water like the professionals do. And the second I did that, I shoved it in my mouth, and it was the most disgusting consistency, taste, everything that I've ever had in my mouth. And I almost puked immediately. So after that first bite that I dipped it in the water and tried to do like the pros do, I went back to just eating dry hot dog bun and just washing it down with water. 
but the entire thing front to back was way harder than I anticipated. And I don't plan on doing a hot dog eating contest anytime soon. And Andy, you, you brought up how gross it was dipping the bun in water as I had just tried it. So in my head, I'm like, God, this tastes horrible. <laughs> and then you bring it up and I'm like, okay, shut up because now you're going to make me puke because I'm clearly not the only one who thinks this is this bad. Um, I knew going in, I wasn't going to win. I, uh, gave my best effort and I thought I could get like three to four. And after I stopped dipping the bun, I had the bun dry and it just sucks up all the saliva in your mouth and you're just chomping and chomping and chomping and trying to swallow as much as you can and nothing's going down. And I see you two guys and I'm like, Oh God, they're killing it. I need to step (laughs) up my game. So there's a lot mentally going on that I didn't expect either. Um, I was really happy we didn't do a pie eating contest though, because that would have been, I think that had been a little too much. Um, Andy, I agree with you. Also, had we just done bun, or just done hot dogs and no buns, I don't think I would have gotten thirty, but I definitely would have eaten more than two. So yeah, um, I mean, because think about it: how often would you ever in real life, which you would never do, you would never eat a hot dog and then eat the bun afterwards. You would either <laughs> eat a hot dog on the bun. Or you just eat the hot dog without the bun. You don't eat the bun afterwards Correct. if you don't eat it on the bun. And, Pat, you, you and I had talked about this before we even did the competition. <clears throat> I think in a couple months, maybe we should try it again using Portillo's hot dogs because those buns are steamed yeah. to the hot dog. So they're not super moist like when you dip them in water, but they're not as starchy as the ones we had. So I feel like that would give us a little bit more of an advantage than what we had this time see yeah i mean i think we're all in agreement at the end of the day that the wet bun is really what ruined the experience i mean andy you mentioned it in the video i i tried before the competition i saw how quickly i could eat a hot dog just a bun and i got it down in about 40 seconds but it was so hard to chew because it was so dry in my mouth with the bun so i went in and i'm like all right i'm gonna be a pro I'm going to scarf the hot dogs and then eat the buns, dip it in the water. I was done with two hot dogs in like 45 seconds. I downed it so fast. And then I dipped the bun in the water, and it was disgusting. And I continued to do it the remaining three minutes, which is why I threw up in my mouth twice. But powered it down, came away with the victory, got to pie both you dudes in the face, yep. got to ask, never been pied in the face before. How does that feel? Um, it's sticky. Uh, it's wet. Um, <laughs> tastes pretty good. Yeah, it was goddamn delicious. That was the dollop of Cool Whip that I threw on top of the whipped cream that probably added the taste. I there. didn't. I didn't notice anything. It was all just shit on my face at that point. And I know I made a comment right after you did it that it felt like the tin had stuck to my face. And I thought it was just the cream at first, but then watching the replay of the video, the tin, ac- the tin actually did, did stick face for quite a while. A solid yeah. stick. So I, getting part wanna... of the face was degrading, but it was. I'm glad it was whipped cream and not like shaving cream or something like that. Huge, huge shout out to Joey Chestnut because 72 sec or 72 hot dogs in 10 minutes is like one hot dog with a bun every eight seconds, and I did one every 90 seconds. <laughs> so that guy is incredible. Also. Quick huge shout-out to fan of the show and relative of the show, Mike Riley, for his video production on the video, as well as my dad, Jim, for helping out as well. Appreciate the help, guys. Yes, thank you, guys. 
what do we got next, boys? All right. Um, going on, just uh, we kind of we last week we recapped the draft. We were talking about the Blackhawks a little bit. So now NBA free agency went into full effect recently, and the big um, splashes that came from that were obviously the Gordon Hayward to Boston deal, um, and then also. Paul George going to Oklahoma City. Um, Gordon Hayward came on July 4th, which is now three years in a row that huge deals have come on July 4th. Last year was Kevin Durant going to Golden State, and the year before that was LaMarcus Aldridge to the Spurs. So continuing the trend of a big name dropping on the 4th of July, uh, Hayward decides to go to Boston, which was pretty messy to say the least. Um, There were... Contra- Salty Lake City. Yeah, exactly. Contradicting, um, contradicting reports coming out. Uh, there was a originally a false rumor that he had agreed to go to Boston, and then Woj was coming out and saying he hadn't made a decision yet, and then people kept on saying no, he's actually going to Boston. It turns out at the end of the day he was going to Boston. I just think personally, I think he ended up just wanting to tell Utah himself. And I think the rumor got out there, which is why he retracted it. Um, Agreed. So other than, I mean, we can talk about Gordon Hayward and Paul George. Those are the two big ones, but there's other guys that went uh, to other big teams, some big names. Well, and so what do you also, guys think? Also, yeah, Chris Paul got traded Correct. to the Rockets. That was another big one. For uh, like nine players, I think. Yeah. At, when it was all said and done. Well, okay. And not, I'm not even being... I'm not even joking. I'm pretty sure it was like seven to nine players. Okay, so so let me get your guys' thoughts on that. Chris Paul was going to be a free agent, and all all signs were pointing to him just signing wherever the heck he wanted. Yet he essentially stayed in L.A. for a day and got Houston to just unload their some of their starters and some of their bench and a pick to L.A., I mean, was he just throwing the Clippers a bone for playing there for so long? Or? Had to be. That that is the only explanation I can come up with. I just that he was just well, it's weird. Trying to that be would a be a weird considering forever. that they're saying that the reason that he wanted out of L.A. was because there was friction between him and Doc Rivers. He didn't like how Doc treated Austin, who's his son, if you don't know, who's also on the team. And he refused, or he turned down a chance to trade for Carmelo Anthony, supposedly at the trade deadline last year, who was one of Chris Paul, Paul's best buds, the whole banana boat crew and whatnot. So it seems odd that he would throw them a bone like that on his way out. I also, you know, obviously it's hard whenever these kind of trades come about and then you have two of the best top 10, 15 players in the NBA who end up on the same team, you're going to talk about how good the potential is there but my first thought when this trade went through was James Harden just got moved to point guard last season and came off of what could have been an MVP season if not for Russell Westbrook setting the triple double record you know Harden a lot of people thought still should have won MVP because Houston was so much better than Oklahoma City was but he became a point guard and succeeded this year and you know I think he led the league in assists he had a great season and now you're bringing in Chris Paul who's a guy who is better when the ball's in his hands. He's probably one of the best floor generals to ever play in the NBA. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys coexist. And then, like you said, Andy, for them to unload a bunch of you know young, talented players that still have potential, uh, it just shows you the 
the way that NBA teams are reacting. They're just kind of going nuclear and doing, trying to piece together as many superstars as they so can. So my only well, thought, I mean, go ahead, Jim. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. My only thought with Houston unloading those guys is the potential of clearing cap room um, for possibly another big name to come in. I'm not sure what their cap situation is, but obviously moving out those three guys um, definitely helped with that. And maybe, maybe Chris Paul was saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to come to Houston, but only if, only if we get another big name, we're not just going to do it with me and James Harden. We need somebody else. So maybe that was their plan was, okay, good point. Okay. We can get rid of these guys and also get Chris Paul rather than just cutting these guys. I, I don't know. It's, it's a confusing situation to me, and I, I didn't understand it when it happened. And until more details come out, I'm not really sure why. It feels like Houston got bent over a barrel in this trade because Chris Paul could have just walked in the door and been like, hey, I'm signing with you guys. And they could have kept everything. So I'm not sure about that one. Um, the we've, other, um, Go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. We, we've, we've also talked, I think we've talked about this in every show we've done so far, is that there are not a lot of superstars in the NBA. So when you have a chance to get one, you need to do what you need to do to get him. Um, I I think I'd still consider Chris Paul a superstar. He's obviously probably on the mid to back end of his career, but he's still damn good. Like you said, Petty's he's one of the best floor generals we've seen in the NBA. And I think they're just trying to go. I mean, you have to close the gap with Golden State. You just do. Or else you can have James Harden have that type of year every year, and they're still not going to do anything. So you... You need to go out and make a move, and I think they're going all in. Um, it is still kind of weird that they gave up all that for Chris Paul, but Andy, like you said, maybe they're trying to, to trying to clear cap space so they can sign someone else. I just think if, if you have the chance to get a guy like that, you just you got to do it. You, you just have to do it, and that's, that's well, pretty much it. And it, it. comes down to what we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, that this is all just – reaction to what the NBA is now, which is basically the Warriors versus the Cavs in the finals. Yep. And now that Kevin Durant is on the Warriors, probably the Warriors winning the finals the next couple of years at least still. And But as an NBA team, you can't really just – you either have to rebuild or you have to reform to try and compete. You can't just stand pat. And that's why you're seeing all these moves. You know, Paul George to Oklahoma City, that's kind of an interesting one. But – you know, Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant couldn't beat Golden State. I don't think Paul George is better than Kevin Durant. So is that going to do anything? We'll see. You know, Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, the whole gang getting back together in Minnesota. You know, that's a tough team all of a sudden. Jeff Teague added to the mix. Are they going to beat Golden State? No. Is anybody going to beat Cleveland in the East? No. I mean, I'm getting scared because people are starting to leave the East and head West. Paul Millsap just left the Hawks. Yep. Is there a chance the Bulls could make the playoffs in the East? Will it be that bad? That's what, no. That, that's no. what those people are talking about, though, is because they could limp into the playoffs with, like, 32 wins or something like that because the East just got so bad. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. And the, Bull, the Bulls are going for – it looks like they are committed to the rebuild with the signing of Felicio and Justin T – or was it Justin T? Justin, Justin, Justin Holiday. Holiday, that's right. Couldn't remember if it was one of the Teague or the Holiday brothers. Um, Who they traded to the Knicks like a year right. ago, by the yeah. way. Correct. They're, 
it looks like with these signings, they're committed to, okay, we're going to be bad. Let's go and try and get a lottery pick. And now with with the East essentially just getting thinner and thinner, they they very well could just limp in with the eight seed winning like 35 games, which is ridiculous. But it, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it makes me frustrated. Dear God, I hope not. I, I if, they don't, if they win more than like 17 games this year, I'm going to be so fucking pissed. <laughs> I mean, I'm so off, sick of being in this situation. Off the top of your head, we have who? Cleveland, Boston. Toronto. Um, Toronto. Washington. Washington. That's probably it. Charlotte, you'd think, like, would make the playoffs Indiana's going to suck this year again. Atlanta's going to suck. Uh, um... There's a lot of teams trying to tank Ooh, in the East. Uh, the Philly will probably be a playoff team this year, or they should. Yeah, you, you would think so, Philly would make it in. In this East. Milwaukee, Philly. Uh, Milwaukee and that's too, yeah. that's seven teams. So, God, we really could be like yeah. eight. That's just <laughs> okay, so that's quick, horrible to think about. Quick thoughts. We can't even do that right. We can't even tank right. That's how bad the Bulls are. We can't even tank right. What did you guys think of the Gordon Hayward to Boston? Do you think Boston is good enough? to beat Cleveland, or do you think they just got good enough to win two out of seven games? That, that, depends, two out of seven. that depends on if Cleveland fixes its defensive woes. See, I'm – okay, I like Gordon Hayward. I think he's very talented. But I will say I think he thrived on a poor team that was getting better. Trust me, the Jazz in the last few years definitely put together a solid team. I don't know if he's as integral a piece as people think. I'm just not a hundred percent sold on him yet, and especially. See here, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, I'm I'm also not a hundred percent sold on Isaiah Thomas. Um, first of all, he can't defend anyone, and obviously the guy can go off and score thirty any night, but. If you add more stars to that team and you take the ball out of his hands to where he's not driving to the basket and chucking up threes, I don't know how useful Isaiah Thomas is anymore. And then also with Gordon Hayward, if he's maybe a second option or if Al Horford stays there, possibly on some set plays he's a third option. I just I'm not sold on that. I guess you can call them a big three with Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, and Gordon <clears throat> Hayward, but that's just me. Well, yeah, we'll see. I think that Isaiah Thomas, I think he's a really good player, don't get me wrong, but I think he definitely overperformed this year. You can't expect him to come back and have a repeat type of season like he did last year. And I think they knew it was essential that they go out there and get someone who can control the ball and score on their own, create their own shot, which is something Gordon Hayward could do. And to me, I think it, at the end of the day, it was just, too good of an opportunity for him to pass up going being able to go back and play for his college coach that he played for at Butler and Brad Stevens and he mentioned how they kind of feel like there's unfinished business after losing on that you know half court heave that almost went in against Duke in the whatever 2011 or 2010 national championship game and and I think you know like you said Andy I think Gordon Hayward's a really good player I don't think he's a superstar I think he's a good second or third option. Like if he's your second or third option, you probably got a really good team. But I don't think he pushes them over the Cavs. But I do think that Brad Stevens can get the best out of him that anyone can in the NBA. So I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out. And if anything, 
Um, you know, at least they seem like they should be able to give the Cavs somewhat of a competition. Although now I was just reading that they're trying to apparently trying to move Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart uh, in order to clear up some more cap space for him. So who knows? You know that does that make the team that much better? They lose two good defenders, right. but they got a decent score. I also saw a rumor that they're um, looking at uh, uh, Marcusall. Yeah, I uh, saw that today Memphis. too. Yep. I don't know, you know, like we've talked about before too. You got to kind of cipher through the BS. I don't know how true or not that is. Um, I think that'd be a great move on their part. I just don't know if they have the pieces uh, to get that done. Um, I don't know if you guys have paid any attention because I haven't up until this year, but I'm pretty excited for the home run derby. Um, I feel like we haven't had a lineup of guys going in like this and i don't even know when i was i was looking today um and i might be off by a couple because i haven't seen today's numbers if they've played games or not but they have 166 combined home runs the participants this year going into the home run derby aaron judge leading them all with uh 29 it just it's it's insane to me what what some of these guys are able to do and i'm hoping for a stanton judge Final, I think that would be. Oh yeah, that would be incredible. What those two guys were able to do to a baseball is it's like is, two giants I, going. It's you know hit for hit with each other. It's it's awesome, and I haven't paid attention to it, and I honestly can't even tell you the last time. Maybe since Sammy was in it, but that was years ago. Um, how do you guys feel? Are you interested? You're gonna watch? You're gonna at least keep up with it on Twitter I mean, and see what's going on? Yeah, I'll probably check it out a little bit just because Judge is in it this year and he you know ever since they introduced all these stat cast information just seeing like the exit velocity when he hits the ball and he hits it hard i mean dude he is he has some exit velocity like 110s like yeah 110, 110 he hits it like almost 500 feet he's six seven like 270 pounds he looks like a freaking small forward out there I mean, it's. I think it's good for baseball. He's a rookie. He's already got 29 home runs, and Stanton is just as physically imposing as Judge. Hits the ball just as hard and far. He won the home run derby last year. I'm pretty sure it's in Miami too. It so is, obviously, yes. there's that um, hometown interest there. So I think it's exciting. You look at, you know, the other contestants. There's some interesting guys in there. I know there's the whole. Uh, kind of controversy going on. What's that guy's name on the race? Yeah, uh, when, when you text me about this, I hadn't even heard about it, and I honestly couldn't care less about it. I apologize. It just... I can't think of the guy's name right now, but he's on the raise and he's got like 24 home runs this year. So, I mean, he's got a pretty decent argument, but his he was mad because the Yankees have Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez both competing. Gary Sanchez only has like, 13 home runs or something but he missed a month or something this yeah season. he was out yes, for a month a month with a bicep strain yeah and he's got 13 home runs so far but the like you were saying with the stack cast and everything pat i think he's averaging on his home runs about four or five miles an hour more than again the guy in the race i can't remember his name for the life of me. logan morrison there you go. logan morrison okay, yeah, who's got you go. he's got 24 but uh, Sanchez is going out and hitting the ball harder. He's hitting it, I think, 30 feet further than Morrison, too. So when Sanchez is out there, he's going and just crushing the ball, which is what the Home Run Derby is all about. 
It's not Correct. necessarily, okay, you just hit 30 home runs that barely cleared the fence. Guys want to see those huge, launching, towering home runs that are like, holy shit, that was just crushed. Like when Sammy Sosa hit it out of the ballpark at uh, Miller Park, yep. and it literally went through the gap right. out of the stadium. That was or awesome. When Josh Hamilton was like crushing home runs at Yankee right. Stadium, like 30. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Like those are the things that the home run derby is awesome for it granted it's cool when guys go and hit a bunch of them but really nowadays guys just want to see the ball crushed and Aaron Judge and Sanchez they that's what they do they just smoke the ball and I think Buster only threw out throughout a stat that uh Sanchez has more home runs than Morrison does since last home run derby so he has 24 wow. this year he has 28 since the last home run derby and Sanchez has got 33. He's also the fastest player ever to, to 20 home runs. So I think Sanchez deserves and a spot in there. He's a true, true chaw dog. He's got the fattest <laughs> yeah. lipper in at all times out there. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I the one thing that came to mind for me is something that it's not really something that's a secret. A lot of players struggle with their swing after competing in the home run derby. Right. right. I mean, if you're the Yankees – how do you feel? You're four. You're only like three, four games out of the division right now. You're you're overachieving this year, I would say, with where your team's at in their progression. Now the two biggest bats in your lineup are going to be taking massive home run hacks. You know, 100, 200 hacks potentially if they get to the final. I mean, seriously, if you're the Yankees, how do you feel about your three, four hitters both competing in the Derby before the All Star game? I I think it's interesting because we talked about this like think maybe in our first episode um talking about the Yankees and how I think I think they're just a year or two ahead of schedule and I, I don't think when your guys are like hey I'm gonna be in the home run derby you're not like "Ooh, this might be bad for our team or "Ooh, maybe maybe we should let these guys do it now so that next year when we're really good I, I don't think it's crossing their minds as much as you would think but that being said, it is two of your players. They are two of your biggest names for the future. So, I don't know. I'm kind of torn to where they might care, they might not. I, I don't know what's in the head of upper management as far as letting their guys go in the home run derby. As long as, as, long as nobody gets hurt, uh, I think that's their biggest concern. But I don't know. I don't think they give a shit. <laughs> Put... Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it, and honestly, I mean, these are guys, like you said, all the stat casts will back it up. These are guys that you want in the home run derby. And to me, I look at that, and, like, that's awesome because you look at the NBA, and, you know, LeBron has never done a slam dunk contest. Never will. You know, you found out about guys through the slam dunk contest, but the guys that you want to do it year in and year out are never the guys that are doing it. And I felt like with the home run derby, it had gotten kind of that same point where they were just throwing random people in there all the time with maybe one superstar in the mix. I mean, I remember being like 11, 12 years old, and like I had a Ken Griffey Jr. Seattle Mariners all-star hat that I used to wear backwards all the time. I remember because I thought Ken Griffey Jr. was the coolest person in the world. And I remember like sprinting home from the pool at night to watch the home run derby because Ken Griffey Jr. was competing. And, best swing in baseball history. And I just feel history. like best swing in baseball history, goddamn right it is. But I just feel like 
you know, obviously I can't look at it through a kid's lens anymore, but I feel like it, it wasn't like that in recent years. It wasn't about the players. It was more about the spectacle. And they, they added all this stuff where, you know, certain balls are worth more and they did donate all this money to charity, which is, which is good and all. But I just feel like it was pulling away from the fact at the end of the day, you want to see the guys that are going to get up there. And like you say, they're going to crush the shit out of the baseball. And it's, it's nice, too, because Aaron Judge is the name in baseball this year. Like, he is he is who everyone is talking about this year. He could win Rookie of the Year and MVP. Right. and All rise. <laughs> That's what they do when he hit home runs, I guess. Um, just the fact that, like I said, it's he's the name that's on everybody's lips. And the fact that he's going into the home run derby is, like you said, it brings a little bit more back to okay, we're excited about the players that are going in there. It should be a fun contest rather than, oh, let's just see what no-name goes out there. And Not that Todd Frazier was like a no-name, but when he won it a few years ago, it was like, all right, Todd Frazier, cool. Like, <laughs> it's just no big deal right. at that point. I agree. So I'm, I'm happy to see that, you know, stars are starting to go back to it a little bit. Like you said, with him too, Cody Bellinger's another guy who's having a ridiculous rookie season for the Dodgers. So, yeah, uh, Aaron Judge, rookie, leads the AL in homers. Cody Bellinger, rookie, leads the NL in homers, which is awesome for baseball. Yeah, and Bellinger, I think they said he's the fastest to 24 home runs in MLB history this year. So he's killing it. There's a lot of young guys that are going to be around, so I think it's going to be really good for baseball. And it's a good way to get young fans interested again because they're going to see all these fresh faces, young guys, and they're going to be like, hey, that could be me in like 10 years. Agreed. So, all right, I wanted to move on now to away from sports a little bit. So um, Nintendo, which has long had my heart since playing Super Nintendo when I was like three, four years old. Just I remember me and Jimmy just sitting like four feet away from the TV that's probably why I have glasses to this day, but just playing Nintendo for hours. And, and you know what? Being a younger brother, I don't even know now if my controller was plugged in all the time, but um, I think it was plugged in because I ended up loving video games. It but was. last year, it was. <laughs> all right, good. Last year, uh, Nintendo, they gave gamers everywhere boners when they came out with the NES Mini, only to have them all go from midnight to six after they were unable to keep up with high demand for the system. So they're giving it another shot this year with the SNES Mini, and it's preloaded with a stacked list of 21 games, uh, including Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, The Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Mega Man X, and Super Metroid, just to name a few. The Mini was sure to be a hot seller, but Nintendo ensured fans they would be making more copies than last year's NES edition. Um, but pre-orders are already being canceled because stock is being sold out everywhere online. Um, but just like the previous version, they said they're not sure if they plan to produce any more beyond 2017. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a huge demand for these old school systems like this. Why don't you think Nintendo, why don't they just mass produce these and make a shit ton of money off of them? Supply and demand, honestly. Um, the fact that it's rare and it's hard to get your hands on is going to make people want it more. Uh, it's just like 
it's just kind of um, like how New Glarus beer, you have to go across the border to get it. It might not be the greatest beer in the world, but the fact that you can't just go out to your local liquor store and buy it makes it that much more enjoyable. And I think if they keep if they keep the supply of these things short and people are running and jumping to get these things off the shelves, that's just going to drive the the news stories about them. I mean, that's all we heard about last year was how this is the hottest thing. This is the hottest toy in a while and people just can't get their hands on them. It drives news stories. It drives more chatter about the system and everything like that. I just think, I think that's their plan is to just stay, stay to where people are always wanting it more and more and not flood the market with them so that any Joe Schmo can go and pull one off and have them in every single household. Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense. But the thing that I looked at was with the previous version, at least, it was like they released it and there was tons of people out there that just bought like four, five, six units and then turned around and flipped them for like three, four times the price on eBay. And it's like, if you're Nintendo, why aren't you just like, all right, people are willing to pay $250 for this system. Fuck it. I'm just going to come out with this system and sell it for $250. If these assholes are going to buy it on the secondary market like that. I mean, and you look, I have, I actually have two original Super Nintendos that still work. I've got a shit ton of games. I'm still kind of interested in the mini because there's some games on there that I don't have. And I'm only interested because the market for... Super Nintendo games, which at the time were probably like eight to fifteen dollars for the cartridges, they cost more than Xbox One yeah. games. I mean, they're eighty to a hundred dollars certain games if they're popular ones, and there, there's all this stuff floating out there. I just feel like Nintendo. Obviously, I'm not going to question Nintendo because they had their shit figured out. Like I said, I'm a lifelong fan. I've had Super Nintendo, GameCube, Game Boys. I've got the Switch. I'm never going to go away from Nintendo, but to me it just seems funny that they don't they don't just produce more cuz I remember last year I once I started looking at the NES and saw how hard it was to find, I was like, "All right, it's not even worth it." I know someone who paid $180 for one, which is ridiculous, but like I said, I'm not one to question them because I buy pretty much most of what they put out anyway. Um, maybe I'm just more pissed because I didn't take advantage and look into these quick enough and now they're all sold out and I'm probably not going to be able to get one. <laughs> so all you assholes out there that bought like five or six of them trying to sell them for like four to five times the price. You can fuck right <laughs> It's the American dream, bro. It's the American dream. All right, um, moving on. Also staying away from sports, uh, I wanted to talk about a news story that popped up. Uh, I think it was this morning. Uh, the Today Show started talking about it, and then it just made its way through the masses of Internet. Um, a photo surfaced out of seemingly nowhere, and it's a photo from Japan, and it's a black-and-white photo. It's blurry, and in the picture, towards the background, you can see the back of a what seems to be a white woman's head with short hair somehow the conclusion has been drawn that said white woman facing away from the camera in this picture 
people are starting to think that this could possibly be Amelia Earhart who crashed her plane and everybody thought that she had died in her plane crash. So people are now thinking that she crashed her plane and the Japanese captured her as a prisoner of war. It's a bizarre thing to come up. My first thought when I saw this picture was how ridiculous it was that, okay, there's a black and white picture from 80 years ago of a woman facing away from the camera and all of a sudden we're just going to say, hey, that might be Amelia Earhart who everybody thought was dead back then. I thought it was ridiculous. The whole, I mean, it's causing an uproar on the internet. People are saying that this could change history as we know it. Uh, What are your guys' thoughts? Pretty much what what you just said is that, that, so what happened was someone saw this picture and went, oh my God, what if that's Amelia Earhart? And that's how this that's how the story progressed. I mean, and that that's it. Like you said, the, the, what what evidence is there because she crashed her plane in a similar area and she had short hair and there was another white woman with short hair. So now we're assuming that she was a prisoner of war captured by the. I mean, that's ridiculous. If you show well, me I some s- tangible evidence, fine. But right now, yeah, the you one have a article. Photo. The one article I saw was talking about they took like a facial recognition expert and um, he said it was very convincing evidence that the photo was at Noonan, who was her um, navigator in the flight. I forget the guy's first Fred name. Noonan. Fred Noonan. He was her navigator who also went down in the flight with her. And they said it was convincing evidence, something about his teeth and nose and then it says the hairline is the most distinctive characteristic. Like, you're telling me there's not a bunch of dudes out there with terrible receding hairline? I just can't imagine that an 80-year-old photograph just comes out of nowhere and people look at it and be like, holy shit, that could, well, that could be something. It's so weird that this came out because, honestly, like, everyone knows the story of Amelia Earhart, but it's not something that I really think about on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. Exactly. And then recently, I was watching an episode of Friends, and they were all putting in their money to play the lottery, and Ross was talking about how if they won, he would build an Amelia Earhart-themed <laughs> amusement park. And he's just like, so he's like, you know, freaking out about how she just disappeared out of thin air. And then, last week, I heard another story about that there was a skeleton that was found near on an island near where she passed or she supposedly crashed in the Pacific and it was deemed that it wasn't her because they thought it was a male skeleton but supposedly Amelia Earhart was more like tomboyish so she was a little bit taller and like had a manlier frame so then they're saying that like maybe this was her and she died a castaway and I'm just like what the hell did Amelia Earhart do to get back in the news so much the past week and a half? Like, what is going on right now? Somebody hire her PR person. Seriously. Let's all get people talking about Amelia again. We, we, right? It's we like need another Tupac conspiracy. <laughs> She's alive in Germany right yeah, now. It's, it's bizarre. I, the whole thing, the fact that it made news and it was a big news story today, I felt like I had to bring it up. But as for me, I'm... I'm I'm over well, it. And it looks like this is all part of a TV special that's airing on the History Channel. Well, that makes sense. Amelia then. Earhart, The Lost Evidence. Oh, interesting so timing there. There's seriously going to be a TV show that just talks about this 
photo. I mean, we're having photo. trouble stretching this thing out for like six minutes. How are they going to talk about this for like two hours? They'll find a way. But yeah, that's clearly Noonan's hairline. <laughs> that dude had a hairline like an asshole. Bring in the hairline expert. Let's talk about it for half an hour. Seriously. Alright, well, we're going to move on from that because I don't even know what else to say about that anymore. <laughs> and we're going to move right into our segments. So, our first segment we're going to do this week is Bold Strategy, where we talk about somebody who took an interesting strategy in approaching whatever it is they was approaching. And yeah, it's pretty much the best I can explain it, I guess. So, Andy, we're throwing it over to you first. Okay, my first nominee for Bold Strategy was Miguel Montero, uh, backup catcher for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, former former you're right um last week he caught in a game that jake arietta was pitching in and i believe it was against the nationals and they stole was it yes it was seven bases seven bases yep they stole seven bases in the game and he he rightfully so i think he had a right to complain because that stat does show up against the catcher um, and he was 0 for 7 And in he was 0 for 7, correct. Um, but after the game, he came out and started essentially bitching and throwing Jake under the table. He threw the coaches under the table that, okay, if a pitcher is struggling, our, our main focus is to get the guy out at home plate. We're not going to hold on guys. We're not going to try and keep an eye on them or anything like that. So I think he had – a legitimate argument to at least be pissed because it does fall on him a little bit. You know, that stat comes out, he's over seven and be like, Oh, why didn't you throw more guys out? Well, that, that wasn't what we were trying to do. So I think he had an argument, but he went about it just the complete wrong way. He is a backup catcher on, okay, maybe not this year, but arguably one of the most talented teams in baseball right now, won the world series last year. He had his shining moment in the playoffs last year. And he just comes out and throws everybody under the bus. Granted, the team's going through a little bit of a rough patch. I don't know if he was trying to maybe light a spark or something like that. I was talking to a buddy at work, and right after this came out that he was bitching about the the game, I was like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got him the hell out of there because that's the last thing in the world that team needs right now is locker room controversy, especially from the backup catcher. So Miguel Montero ends up getting reassigned the next morning and then goes in, I forget where he ended up signing. Um, Toronto. Yeah, with Toronto, who apparently wanted him for some reason. Um, but he, them. He, he went out there, started talking shit, ran his mouth, and he got cut. So bold strategy, buddy. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. My favorite part of that story is the day after it happened, Anthony Rizzo was on uh, – Cap and Company, and said, talking about Wilson Contreras, um, I think he said, our other catcher throws out everybody yeah. and just left it. Like, Yeah, Montero's one it. for 31 on the season and throwing runners out. But it's Jake's fault because his approach is too slow to the plate. Right. Yeah, Thanks, Contreras man. is throwing out like 30% of his guys or something like that, which is a good, a good percentage. It's a really good clip for a catcher. Yeah. All right, so my uh, bold strategy nominee today is uh, Joel Embiid, who I do really like. I think he's hysterical. I think he's got a great sense of humor. 
I think he will be great for the game of basketball when he can stay on the court. Um, but this goes back to the draft. So when Lonzo was drafted, I believe it was Ben Simmons who just tweeted crazy pills referring to the family. And then uh, Embiid replied to him saying, uh, please dunk on him so hard that his daddy runs on the court to save him. Well, you know LeVar is going to hear this, and of course he's going to respond. So, Uh-oh, welcome to Big Baller Zone. Uh, he came back and basically said they that that uh, Philly sucks, that they haven't been in the playoffs, that Simmons and Embiid can't stay on the court, so basically stay in your lane and you know don't worry about what's going on over here. Well, then Embiid goes on IG Live and like loses his shit. He's like, F LeVar Ball, and, and just goes nuts. And, and I'm thinking, like, well, dude, you, you started all this, and you knew damn well when you said what you said that he was going to respond to you. So I thought initially he was kind of doing it in a way to, like, oh, like let's kind of have, like, a back and forth. like, And then he just loses his mind seemingly on Instagram. And it's like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? If you, if you made these comments and you didn't know what the repercussions were going to be, you're kind of an idiot. So, Joe, like, bold strategy, I, I guess. Good luck, good luck moving forward. So, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Yeah, that's, uh, if there's anybody it seems like you don't want to get into a beef with right now, it's LeVar Ball. Because yeah, agreed. He will, he just wins at everything. I don't understand it, but... Alright, so my bold strategy this week goes out to the man known as Hove, Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z, who released his new album, 444, last week. Uh, it was his first album in four years, I think, and it was available exclusively for Tidal subscribers. So for those of you who may be unfamiliar with Tidal, what? probably most of you, because I had no idea what the hell it was and I had to Google it. It's a streaming service similar to Spotify or Apple Music that is owned by Jay-Z. New users had up until a week before the album was released to sign up and gain access to the album before it was released on other platforms. Well, what would one be to do if they needed they needed Jay's new album? They needed it so bad, but they didn't sign up for title in time. Well, you could just switch your phone plan to Sprint. Because Sprint acquired 33% stake in Tidal early this year, which was valued at $200 million, according to Variety. So it's the old, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine routine. Sprint buys a large stake in Tidal for the exclusive rights to this album on their network. And, you know, after you pay $350 plus in cancellation early termination fees, it will have been well worth it to listen to an album a week early from an all-time great rapper who hasn't been great in a long time. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, though. Jay-Z, he's on a level of his own when it comes to entrepreneurship. As he once said in one of his songs, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. Great line. Love but this that scene, line. Yeah, that's my, seriously, one of my favorite lines ever. But this is a really interesting tactic. Did they actually expect people to switch their phone company so they could listen to this album one week early? Well, whatever they thought they were doing, they came to their senses because uh, people were pissed. Uh, even people that had title didn't know they needed Sprint to access the album. So they quickly removed the Sprint-only stipulation made it available to title subscribers across all networks. 
And for a usually business savvy guy like Jay-Z, this is a little bit of a head scratcher. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. All right, gents. Um, our next topic we're going to talk about is uh, called Riled Up. We don't rile each other up. We yet. never get riled up. I don't get riled. He doesn't, and I don't either. Look at you right now. You're riled. Take so this is something uh, based off of, like, Family Guy, what really grinds your gears, something that maybe doesn't piss everyone else off. Maybe it does, but for whatever reason, it's really got you furious. Um, I'm going to start, if that's okay. Um, I am a huge Hawaii Five-0 fan. It's a show on CBS. Uh, it's going on its eighth season. Um, it got moved to Friday nights, which typically means show's not doing great. It's probably on the verge of being canceled. And this, I think the move happened a couple seasons ago. And since it's gotten moved, it's actually the, the content of the show has gotten better. The ratings have improved. So I was super excited. I just finished season six on Netflix, have season seven DVR'd. So I was going to catch up and then get to watch season eight when it premieres. So the other day, I'm, I just I Google Hawaii Five-0 for whatever reason, and I find out that two of its main uh, cast members are leaving the show. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. And I look, and it's because over, over a pay dispute, because they're making uh, 10 to 15% less than their co-stars. Um, these two, the two that left, are uh, Asian actors, or Asian actor and Asian actress. And when it came out that CBS like would not pay them um, equal salary of their white co-stars, CBS just basically said, yeah, thanks for putting in your time. We really appreciate you. You know, good luck moving forward. Basically admitting like, yeah, that article's right. We're not, we're not paying them because we don't want to. I don't know if they don't think they're an integral part of the show or if their acting is subpar. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but it just infuriates me. Like, if you go seven seasons and you're going on to an eighth, you're doing something right. They've had 168 episodes premiere. You're probably not going to go much longer. Like, most don't go over 10 unless you're Grey's Anatomy around, like, season 20 where the great-grandkids are now running the hospital and it shows run its course forever ago. But this show's, like, this show still has something going, and I'm just so furious that they wouldn't just pay these two Wonderful actors and actress. The extra ten hey, to fifteen percent they want. All right, we're gender fluid on this. Sorry, show. It's 2016. Right. They wouldn't pay. They wouldn't. 2017, bro. They wouldn't pay those two actors what they deserve. So I'm still gonna watch the show, but I'm gonna be a little less happier See, while I watch. And when stuff like that happens too, that's when shows start to suck. Agreed. When Could like not agree with you more. Main cast members leave like six, seven seasons in. It's just it's a recipe for disaster. All right, and to kind of piggyback off that. Uh, Scott Kahn, who played Tweeter in um, uh, Varsity Blues. Varsity she broke Blues. my heart, so, so I, I broke her, her jaw. <laughs> so he has, in, in his contract for CBS, he misses like four episodes during the year because he goes home to L.A. to be with his family. So during that time, uh, Alex O'Loughlin, he's the main character, Steve McGarrett, is basically in the show with the two characters who are now leaving. So when Scott Kahn's not there... To film, what what are they gonna do for four episodes? What an idiot! It's be Alex O'Loughlin with his shirt off, just like flexing his pecs. I mean, that's fine. They'll get the like <laughs> middle-aged fine. woman demographic tuning in for a couple weeks, and then it'll carry him till Scotty gets back. 
To, and, but Pat, like you said, it's like that's when those things start to go downhill. So now in my mind, those episodes are going to be four forced filler episodes of just like, okay, what what the hell's going on? Like, why did you do this? Anyways, I could ram on this for a long time, so I'm going to uh, give way to Pat. All right. Well, you guys know what's got me riled up this week? No. What? It is those spoiled, famous for nothing, self-entitled bitches, Kylie and Kendall Jenner. So, did you guys see this story? I did, I did yeah. The youngest members of the famous, the family famous for Kim K, Blow, and Ray J were in the news this past week for their use of poor judgment. They released a new line of t-shirts on their website that took famous album covers from the likes of Metallica, Notorious B.I.G., Tupac, and Led Zeppelin, to name a few, and pasted superimposed images of them from their Instagram accounts over the album covers. Um, On top of probably being the stupidest idea for a t-shirt I've ever heard, they had these listed for the very affordable price of $125 per t-shirt. I I don't even know where to start. Like, I hate the Kardashians. Like, seriously, with every fiber of my being. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right that article is hilarious by the way if, if you don't know what jimmy's talking about there's a conspiracy theory that says that uh the buffalo bills are directly responsible for the rise of the kardashians because they blew a game late in the season the year they drafted oj if they would have won that game they would have never drafted oj he would have never met nicole to murder her would have never had the Kardashian dad is his lawyer. They would have never gotten famous. It w- life would be a lot better. I would enjoy life a lot more. But I just hate them. They always float around when things get dull. Kim went and married Kanye. They had a baby. They named it after a direction on the compass. And people, you know, I hear people say, like, oh, Kendall's a model and Kylie has her own line of makeup. Like, who gives a fuck? They never had to work for anything in their lives. They've been given everything, every step of the way. And without a doubt, they got those opportunities because of their name. Agreed. And you know what is cool? You guys know what is cool? What's that? Wearing a Metallica or a Led Zeppelin shirt or a Tupac or a Biggie shirt in its own right. That well, I could buy I for $19 from Spencer's? Yes, they're cheaper. And because these artists have all released multiple albums that have had critical success and they've toured across the world performing live for their fans they've earned the right to have their image and their likeness printed on a t-shirt to be distributed for money and unsurprisingly people were pissed valetta date wallace biggie's mom and sharon osborne whose husband ozzy was on one of the shirts as well both came out against the jenners but again to me more than that it all comes down to the attitude that these girls have. They think, just to think that they can paste pictures of their plastic surgeon-modified bodies over legends in the music industry shows that they're literally just the most self-involved people in the world. And all you dumbasses who continue to watch their show and feed into their fucking egos are just as big a part of the problem. So screw all of you. Huge fan of the show, by the way. Dumbass. <laughs> Screw you, Jim. Son of a bitch. Nice nice rant, Pat. Yeah, that Thank was you. good. I had to get that one <laughs> off my chest. 
All right. Um, mine, mine is not as hateful as Pat's, um, but um, kind of going back to the sports world a little bit, uh, Steve Elkington is a former PGA golfer, and he has now turned himself into an internet troll. So, hate those guys. By design, these guys are out to piss people off. So it makes sense. That oh, didn't he go in on on Rory a couple weeks ago? Correct. That was this guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, rightfully so, these guys are supposed to piss people off. What he did a few weeks ago was just—it's another case of him going after, trying to get headlines and everything like that. So, after Rory went out and did, had a poor showing at the U.S. Open which a ton of other major golfers played very poorly and missed the cut. Elkington went after Rory, and here's his quote, tweet. Rory is so bored playing golf. Without Tiger, the threshold is probably four majors with $100 million in the bank. So he's just trying to poke Rory's poke Rory and get him to snap back and cause a controversy and get headlines. So that's exactly what Rory did. Rory came back at him, and he he sent a tweet back at him and said, more like $200 million, not bad for a, quote, bored 28-year-old. And just com- and he had a screenshot of his accomplishments from Wikipedia yeah. in the tweet. Complete- Love people referencing Wikipedia for, like, serious <laughs> conversations and serious points. Sorry, Andy, go ahead. I did my research for the show there. Yeah, exactly. He, oh, this is he completely eviscerated Steve Elkington. Elkington went back with a few different comments back and forth, and then Rory came out and corrected his grammar in another tweet. Um, it just Stuff like this just pisses me off so bad that there's people out there that do this just to make themselves feel good, to piss people other off and try and light a fire, and it's the stuff. It's the same type of thing like a Colin Cowherd or a Stephen A. Smith to where they just say things. Or Skip Bayless. Right, exactly. They just say things for the headlines. And these internet trolls that are on Twitter are just, they're, they're insane. And it, it, it just pisses me off. And Steve Elkington well, is and it's sports like, troll number one in my book. And I'm, I'm done with him. I have been done with him for a while. I love that Rory came back over the top of him. Just eviscerated him with saying that he's got two hundred mil in his bank account, and it was awesome. Well, that's the thing. You look at what he originally said. It's like, okay, so even if Rory retired with four majors and a hundred million dollars in the bank, that's still a pretty awesome fucking life. It's right. way more than one four majors. It's way more than Steve fucking Elkington did in his career. Right? You have more money than anyone is. You know, most people ever even come close to seeing in their entire life ridiculous idiot anyway that's that's my grinds my gears for the week or sorry nicely done <laughs> not grinds my gears it's riled up riled Andy. Up. gosh <laughs> you know what gets me riled up when the co-hosts don't know the name of the Messing segment, up my segment. all right just on to our next segment um it's called i've made a huge mistake i've made a huge mistake and this is going to be dedicated just for NBA edition because that is, like we said, the free agency is hot right now. Um, but I've made a huge mistake is we're going to just call call out the worst contracts in sports. So we're focusing on the NBA. So, Pat, go ahead with your I've made a huge mistake. All right. My huge mistake for this week 
And trust me, there's a lot of candidates to choose from because there is stupid money getting handed out in the NBA this week, past weekend especially. But my pick is Memphis Grizzlies wing Chandler Parsons. You might hear that sentence and go, wait, Chandler Parsons on the Grizzlies? I know, I didn't I didn't know either. But the dude mainly known for being a pretty boy and trying to slide into girls' DMs all over the U.S. signed a four-year, $94 million deal last July. $23 million per year, for those of you who don't have a calculator on hand. And he was coming off a season where he averaged 13.7 points, which is his lowest since his rookie season in 2011. So they were taking a risk already. He has had durability issues in the past. The most games he ever played in one season was 76 for Houston in 2012. And it's looking like a big-time swing and miss because he missed the first few games of last season with a recovering from knee surgery, his second meniscus surgery on his left knee. And he struggled terribly. He played 34 games only, averaged 6 points on 34% shooting, 27% from 3 before injuring his right meniscus, requiring surgery. So now he's got... Wait, this is not Derrick Rose we're talking about? <laughs> no, okay. this is not Derrick Rose, right. contrary to popular belief. Someone else with equally terrible luck, though. So now he's got another knee injury. And I looked a little bit further into some of the stats. There's an article written by Brian Toporek, I think is how you say it. And uh, I forget what the article or the website was. But he talked about how... His salary last year was $21,116,750, and his total win shares on the season was 0.2, oh. which equates to $110,583,750 per win share. <laughs> so I don't quite Good I didn't look him. too much into it, but I'm pretty sure what this means is he contributed roughly 20% of what a player getting paid what he is should have last season. So now all the Grizzlies can do is pray that Parsons, who was never really that good, I thought, in the first place, is somewhat of a resemblance of the same player he used to be. But this is more about the NBA raising its salary cap big time the last couple of seasons, allowing bums like this to get all this money. So Chandler Parsons, Grizzlies, you guys are my huge mistake this week. So Pat, going off of that last statement that you said with the NBA just completely overpaying uh, their athletes and that that is a huge part to do with the huge tv contract that they they signed um and the cap just keeps on going up and up and up um i don't have anyone really specific that i'm calling out but there are uh two or three guys that i wanted to call out and they are the low level guys that are going out and just getting huge paychecks um the one that really caught my eye was uh Milwaukee going out and paying Tony Snell and Tony Snell for you Chicago fans was the first round pick of the Bulls back in 2013 I believe yeah the really dark guy at the end of the bench who sucked correct yeah he he spent his entire Bulls career on the bench maybe played 12 minutes a game took a few long-range jumpers that usually bricked off the back rim never did anything uh and really just never panned out as a first-round pick. So he left and went to Milwaukee. Uh, he, I will say he did have a much better year last year in Milwaukee than he did 
um, in the few years with the Bulls. But Tony Snell went out and got himself a four-year, $46 million contract. Good for him. Now, it's it's not a max deal. It's not LeBron going out or getting a huge contract or anything like that. But he's still getting paid $11 million a year for a guy that essentially got cut from his first team. And now he's going out and going to make 11 or $12 million a year. Well, he, he was traded from the Bulls. Right, but, but essentially they pretty for much nothing. gave up on him. Right, exactly. Oh, okay. I see. All right, I see what you're saying. Well, they got so, Michael Carter Williams, who they've already moved on from. So essentially, a bag of balls and a Gatorade cooler. And Milwaukee had given up on Michael Carter Williams, so it was just a swap for dog shit. After Philadelphia had already given up on Michael Carter Williams, <laughs> exactly. So and see, go ahead. Go Jim. ahead. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Finish. The other, the other big contract. And the only reason that I saw it was because it was the Bulls. Um, they went out and paid Cristiano Felicio four-year, $32 million. So, again, not a huge contract, but he's going out and making $8 million a year. and 3.6 points per game last year, baby. Exactly. <laughs> I just I think it's so absurd what the NBA is doing with their salary cap. They're going out and pay, playing guys that are going to average five to ten minutes a game, eight to ten million dollars a year, and it's it's getting so absurd, but shout out to those guys that are going out and getting paid. More power to them if you can stay around. I was, I was long just going to say this. This is a, this is a short PSA to them. any of our listeners out there who may or may not be 6'5 or taller. If you are, please try and pursue a career in basketball because you will make a shit ton of money. Seriously, you can be complete dog shit and go out and make $8 million a year. So keep at it if you're tall and athletic. Just try and dunk a basketball, and you'll be all right. So, All right, so going off of what the two of you said, I am want to give a huge shout-out to one of my favorite players to ever wear a Bulls uniform, uh, Joe Kim Noah. Went, smooth-talked Phil Jackson, got a four-year, $72 million deal after, A, playing years under Thibodeau, having a bum knee, Having a bum shoulder, he gets a four-year contract for $72 million. Comes out last year, I think he re-aggravated his knee or his shoulder. I don't remember which. Um, and then he gets popped for steroids, I think. Or it was performance enhancing. It was performance enhancing. I can't remember what it was, but yeah. I mean... The, the poor guy, and the reason I love him is because you guys remember, he gave his heart and soul for the Bulls. Tibbs rode him until, until he started to fall apart, and he started to fall apart, and he still got paid $72 million. So good for him for pulling the sheet over Phil Jackson's head and making him even more money, but gosh, that's a horrible contract. Isn't it crazy, horrible though, that, contract. that we go out there and it's just like, more power to those guys for getting those huge contracts. Absolutely. And then just because if, bending if, over. if they didn't get the money, the owners would keep yep. the money. So good for the players. Yep. 100% good for them. It's crazy. All right, moving on to our final segment of today's episode. People seem to like the Hall of Fame that we did last week with breakfast, so we're going to keep those coming as well. But this time we're going to do a mock draft. Mock, yeah. With the first pick in the draft, 
bros, let's talk Solex. The Gloucester Hot Dunkin' Chug. And today's topic will be fast food places. And just to clear it up, when we start, we're going to do five rounds, three picks each round. Snake and draft. And a fast food snake draft, yes. So we'll go one, two, three, three, two, one. You'll get back-to-back picks if you're first or third. And... Uh, fast food place constitutes as somewhere that you can go to, order your food, and receive it within five minutes of being there. It doesn't have to be a drive through specifically or anything like that. So, mock draft, fast food places, we're going to go oldest to youngest. Jimmy, Shit. being oh. the old man of 30, is going to get the first pick. Andy will be second. I will bring up the anchor. So, Jimmy, you are on the clock. All right, I'm going to go with a no-brainer first pick, In-N-Out Burger. Ah, that was my number one. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> that was my number one for sure. And it, it's all right, though. It's the wrong pick anyways. It, it's, a, it's a no-brainer for anybody that goes out to the West Coast. It's the first thing that you do whenever you go out to wherever an In-N-Out is. But great pick, Jim. I love that pick. Uh, Thank you. With the number two pick in today's draft, I am going to go with the Chicago hometown favorite, Portillo's. Oh. Nicely done. (laughs) With the third pick in the fast food draft, Pat selects Taco Bell. You bastard. See? Nicely done. I'm not that high on Taco Bell. I'm going to throw that out there. Fucking love Taco Bell. I'm throwing it out there. I eat Taco Bell every day. I'm throwing Whatever, it out there. dude. You can have it. You go there and you get a cheesy gordita crunch and a cheesy potato burrito, and you tell me you aren't goddamn satisfied after I'm eating just that. saying it wouldn't be a first round pick in my book. Well, Pat, you're you. up again. <laughs> I'm up again. All right. Well, since Andy took Portillo's from underneath me, I'm going to go with Culver's at number two. Love me a Culver's burger. Love me some um, cheese curds. Gotta love it. All right. All right. All right. Coming back around in round two, um, Pat alluded to this one earlier. Um, I'm going to take Chipotle with my second round pick. I can go after a burrito or burrito bowl any day, anytime. Just have at it. So, Chipotle, my number two pick. All right. With the uh, with my second pick, I am going to go with Panda Express. Ooh. Sleep, why? Sleeper. I don't. I don't need to give an explanation. Why, <laughs> just because it's Panda Express. All right, coming to the third round, I'm gonna go with my personal favorite of the burgers in the Midwest. Obviously, we don't have an out burger here, so I'm gonna go with Wendy's. Good pick. Solid pick. Thank you. Dollar menu is off the charts for Wendy's. Four for four Dude. deals, pretty oh solid too. Oh my gosh! And they have the double stack on there. Please. All right, coming back. Uh, third round pick. I'm gonna go with a southern, southern restaurant. I'm gonna go. It has moved its way north, but I'm gonna go with Chick Fil A. Oh, okay. Damn. Big fan. It's a good pick. Yeah. Not open on Sundays though. Real sour. Right. Real sour for hangovers. Right. Hey. Yeah. All right. So that brings me with my third round pick. I'm gonna go with Shake Shack. Shake. Oh, uh, good pick. Now, wait, is that five minutes? I'd say so. If there's no line, you can get it in five minutes. Fine. I'll allow it. I'll give you that. Okay. I, I like that one, too. 
That that's a great wow. That's a great pick. This late in the day. Good for <laughs> no, you. Right. It was a little bit of a steal. But you just found your deck, Prescott. There you go. My starting QB. All right. So that brings me to my fourth round pick. I'm trying to stay like well rounded with my food selections too, but it gets really hard. Um, damn it. I'm gonna go with Burger King. Love me some BK. Good old Whopper. Oh, God. Horrible. Ooh. Not a fan, Jim? No. Ooh. Burger King used to be great back in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you got against the King, dude? Return of the Mac and Cheetos. All right. Their commercials are great. Their, fry, their fries used to be the best. They had the best fries, and then they screwed them up. Rodeo cheeseburgers, damn good. All right. It's my. Yes, it is. I will give you that. It's my comeback, right? Yep. Uh, yes, your turn. All right, I'm going to go with a sandwich shop. I'm going to go with Jimmy John's. All right. Nice it's, choice. It's my go-to if I'm getting a deli sandwich or something and need something fast. So, coming back with Jimmy John's. Solid, solid. All right. Nicely done, friend. All right. Sorry, I'm just updating our draft picks to make sure I don't take anyone who's already on there. Oh, Okay. Um, I am going to go, I can't believe this is around this, this late. I'm going to go with Popeye's. Ooh. It's a good one. Popeye's too. over KFC, huh? Every day of the week. Wow. I agree with that too, Every actually. Every day of the week. Wow. It's Louisiana fast. Okay. Joe is. All right. And then th- this is our last picks, correct? Last picks. Yes. Okay. Pat, this is, um, kind of what you said. I want to round out. Like, make sure I have a nice, solid team here. So I'm going to go with Cinnabon. <laughs> what a wild card ball. pick. I love Cinnabon. it. Thank you. I love that. There's there's nothing I love more than to go to Yorktown Mall yep. and get a you pick two from Panda Express, <laughs> then eat a Cinnabon and be uncomfortably full for 30 minutes where I can't breathe and I'm miserable. But I'm the food was so good. I'm okay with being miserable. Cinnabon is such a wild card pick, and I love it so much. Thank you. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Jim. No, thank that you. That was all I like that. All right, uh, with my final pick in the fast food draft, can't believe it's still around. But I am taking this purely from a breakfast standpoint. I am taking McDonald's. Okay, McDonald's breakfast over every other breakfast. It is the it's greatest true. hangover food. You can get it now 24 hours a day. McDonald's breakfast all day, every day. Could not agree with you more. All right. And the Mr. Irrelevant <laughs> in the debut of Mock Draft with Fast Foods is going to be Jersey Mike's. Ah, good call. Oh, Jay Mike's. Nice. Because I realize I have so many burger places that I need to round it out. So Good call. All right. That's our draft. Uh, I'm looking at the the teams that we assembled, and they're all pretty good. Pre- pretty but... sure I won, but they're all pretty good. We'll, yeah, throw I think a, you could... we'll throw out a poll for the We should throw out a poll. I think... Yeah, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, leave comments of who you think won and why. Yeah, I think we got three strong teams, and I think you can make cases for any of the three teams. So we'll put out a poll after this episode's released, and we'll make sure... Uh, that we get the fans' reaction because we love our fans that are out there. So, all right, we're going to close up with quick rapid fire, and then 
uh yeah that'll be that so Connor mcdavid reigning league mvp of the edmonton oilers signed an eight-year 100 million dollar extension making him the league's highest paid player with an annual salary of 12 and a half million dollars good for him yeah he he earned it he was awesome last year for he, sure he sure did yes, the did. miami heat waived chris bosh after a long strange standoff between the two sides in regards to health issues bosh was having with blood clots he's not played the past season and a half but has expressed interest in continuing his career. Heat doctors seem adamant in saying Bosch is done. The Heat plan to retire his number. And I'm sure the Bulls will sign him. Yeah, probably. Uh, Aaron Judge, who we spoke about earlier, tied Hall of Famer Joe DiMaggio's Yankee rookie home run record of 29 home runs yesterday. And we're not even at the All-Star break yet. So he's going to smash that for show. And the MLB All-Star Game, which we also talked about a little bit earlier, will have a lot of fresh faces this year. There are 12 first-time starters spread across the two rosters. George Springer, Carlos Correa of the Astros, Jose Ramirez of the Indians, Justin Smoke of the Blue Jays, Corey Dickerson of the Rays, Salvador Perez of the Royals, Aaron Judge of the Yankees, Nolan Arenado of the Rockies, Zach Cozart of the Reds, Charlie Blackman of the Rockies also, Marcelo Zuna of the Marlins, Ryan Zimmerman, and Daniel Murphy of the Nationals are the 12 fresh-faced starters. It's the most they've had in an All-Star game since fans took back voting in 1970. And this year's game will not decide home field in the World Series. It goes back to the best record from the respective league. Which, right, you're right, Jim. Thank God, because that was a stupid rule. All right, well, that's all we've got for this week's episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please do us a favor and check out our social media pages. As Jimmy mentioned, follow us on Twitter at Bros Let's Talk. Search Bros Let's Talk on Facebook and like our page. Check out our episodes, soundcloud.com slash blt-podcast, or subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Podcast as well, because we're there now, too. I figure why alienate the other half of the smartphone community, make it available to both parties and either either one of those itunes or google play podcast leave a review with a challenge that you want to see us attempt in our monthly video segment challenge accepted subscribe to our youtube channel by searching bros let's talk which is where we will be posting the challenge videos in the future hey guys um actually pat real quick before you go i want a, a pretty big announcement for the show um, Pat and I will be on the road next week actually covering the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby from Florida. Um, and by covering... Live, I mean, live on the field, vacation. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll no. be on a family vacation, well, yes. and Pat and I will probably be recording in a closet as to minimize the noise around us. But it's 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 a pretty big deal for the show to be in the same state as an All-Star Home Run Derby game. Definitely. Yes. Um, so... Make sure we'll you be listen because like, we'll, we'll be, be in Florida, reporting adjacently from <laughs> the All Star yeah, game. Yeah, Pat and I will be in the same room reporting on an All Star game that's happening hundreds of miles right? away. So it's it's a pretty big deal for the show. It's pretty big. I'm excited for that. I forgot to mention that, but that's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're gonna be recording live from where are we going again? I always say it wrong. We're going to Sarasota, Sarasota, Florida. Yes. So tune in for that. That's all we got for this week. For Jimmy and Andy, this is Pat signing out. Later, bros. See you guys.
have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. I just like the same place.